The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, for the break in the silence when you sent your son, God. Um, there was a people waiting to hear from you, and you, you spoke to them, God. You spoke to them in ways that they didn't know they were going to even happen, Father. They were expected to be spoken through a prophet, and you instead you spoke directly to them. And we thank you for that, God, that you made this personal. Um, so now as you go into this message, God, I pray you would show us what that looks like, what it looks like to be. Uh, in communion and loved by you, Father, and you would just bless Randall as he brings that message here, God, to remind us that you sent your son. as a joyous occasion, um, but also as a reminder that he would have to be sacrificed for us um, and for your glory, and we thank you for that, Father. So now as we go into this time, just open our hearts to hear what you have to say today. Um, we thank you for what you're doing here in this church and here in San Diego and across the world. Um, think that you moved today as much as you did 2,000 years ago when you came. In your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Ricardo. Wow. Um, first, thank you, Brooke, for um, sharing all of that. You know, one of the things that from the very start of our church, uh, first year, uh, church plant, um, is we did give Sunday. And um, I remember that first one, uh, we raised about $10,000 uh, to give away. And the heart of our church has always been to, to give. It's always been about faith um, and trusting God that he's going to provide what's needed. And so it wasn't like, oh, yeah, we have all the resources to be able to do this. It's like, no, we're going to give out of faith because this church and everything that we see is because of God. It's all because of faith in God. And um, we just, I, I don't know, I just, you know, you're not going to see a bunch of like elaborate screens and all that stuff here at Grace City. That's just not us. We're not going to do that. We want to pour into the things that matter. And everything that was shared today, it matters. And um, I'm just so thankful to be a part of this church. And, um, and so, yes, Give Sunday. It's something that we do every year, and that's going to be our heart into the future by the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, so I don't know about you. I'm getting over a cold. Um, thankful. I don't have COVID. I tested, you know. You're like, oh, this dude got COVID. No. Okay. I tested, but I, I've, I've got a cold. And, um, and so um, I'm just thankful that you came out today. Can we just thank all the volunteers that came, that set up, that did all this in the rain, everything? <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you. Um, right now, we are in a series, Advent, and we are uh, looking at the birth of Jesus. And what, what happens is, many times, is we just focus in, it's just that one day, we focus in on the birth of Jesus, and yay, thank you, Jesus, for coming. But really, it's, it's such an amazing uh, gift that God has given us, that, that he came. And so we see this as this season where we can celebrate 
that Jesus came in. So what we've been doing as a church is we've been looking at some Old Testament passages and connecting them to the New Testament of how Jesus came and how all of the, the message of, of the gospel and the message of the Bible is that uh, God was going to send his son, that there was this great need that all of us have. Uh, last night, I was able to spend a little bit of time with um, Bridges, which uh, Lauren and, and Sam, they, they, they lead, and, and they're reaching international students. And, and I was able to share with them, uh, some of them, for the, maybe for the first time, um, that there's meaning to Christmas, that there's a, there's, a, there's a meaning. And so when we look at the lights, right, we're, we're passing by, we're seeing all the beautiful lights. Why do we put lights up? It's because it reminds us that in a dark world, the light came. And that as dark as our world can be, the light of God can break through in our lives because he came. And so that's what we've been looking at. And today we're looking at a passage of scripture, Isaiah 9, 6. And the message is knowing Jesus in the loneliness. Knowing Jesus in the loneliness. You know, with social media, texting, emails, it feels like we are constantly connected, right? To the point where it can drive us mad. Shouldn't loneliness be a thing of the past? Well, what research is showing is that this connectedness that we have the different means of communication can simply be an illusion when it comes to solving our loneliness. It's called the new loneliness. And all of us at some point have probably felt that, right? Doesn't matter how many friends on social media, followers, likes, all of that, doesn't matter. There is this insatiable need within us for something more. In many ways, loneliness becomes a bigger and bigger issue even during the holidays. According to a survey, it said that around one in four Americans report experiencing loneliness this time of year. Uh, loneliness is not only an issue that arises at Christmas, but uh, one study found that 35% of Americans uh, aged over 45 and over are lonely year-round. Another study revealed um, that 60% of women were honest and just said that they, they have feelings of loneliness. 20% uh, experience the state uh, most or all the time. Uh, MIT did a study, uh, the study on loneliness. And they said this, they said loneliness is much more often com commented on by songwriters than by so social scientists. One psychiatrist has suggested that we neglect loneliness because we have no theory with which to begin to cope with its manifestations. Elizabeth Elliot once said this about loneliness. She says, you try to sleep, but a chill seems to have crept into the room and into your heart. The old longing rises unbidden, the longing for someone who isn't there, that thickness in the throat, dryness in the mouth, that uh, restlessness, what is it? You have been given much, home, work, friends. What is this weakness, this sickness, this storm in your soul? 
See, loneliness, what do we do with it? And, and what does that have to do with the birth of Jesus? Well, this text from Isaiah can help us understand a little bit more about how Jesus and knowing Jesus can help us in our lonely moments. To give a little background in Isaiah, um, Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus walked the earth. Um, the books of Matthew and the book of Luke uh, in the New Testament specifically tell the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. And so it wasn't that Jesus just happened to be in the world and that God just came into the world, but that there was prophecies that were fulfilled from the Old Testament long before Jesus walked the earth. And so this one in particular is one that you'll commonly hear from Isaiah 9-6. See, the Bible is not a fairy tale. It's not a figment of the imagination, but it is intentionally rooted within history. And so what that tells us is that that is an invitation for us to come, to study, to think, to grow, to really understand what does this have to do with my life? From today's text, what we find is that it is in our loneliness that we find a love that comes from the outside in. A love that can relate to us, listen to us, and meet us when maybe other people don't understand. So how does God meet us in the loneliness? Well, we're going to look at it three ways very quickly today. The first one is in a compassionate way. The second is in a wondrous way. And the third, an accessible way. Compassionate, wondrous, accessible. So the first one is a compassionate way. Look at the beginning of verse 6. For to us... A child is born. Now, those first three words in verse 6, for to us. What we see is that there's this repetition that starts to happen in the next section in this verse. To us, a son is given. See, this is God coming to us. Not us coming to God. See, in many belief systems, religions, the belief is that we must find our way to God. We must do these things to get in right standing with God. But the message of Christianity and the beauty of the gospel is that it's not us coming to God, but it is that God came to us. That's the simple message of the gospel. That's where it all starts. To us, a son is given. See, this is God coming to us. The message of Christmas is that God came. One commentator, Alec Matier, says, how does the victorious, covenant-fulfilling work of God come about? By what way do the Lord's people into enter a non-contributory salvation by the fear, mere fact of the king's birth. The emphasis rests not on to us, but on a child is born. It starts with to us, but where does it go? The emphasis is that a child is born. See, why is this message so important? 
Well, first, it's a reminder that you and I can't do it. We can't save ourselves. We can't get ourselves out of the darkness. We can't fix the darkness within us. We can't cover our sins and solve our deepest issues. See, at the end of the day, we come up empty. Isaiah 118 says this. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Now, again, this is in the book of Isaiah, and it starts there, and it tells us a little bit about who God is. He says, in our loneliness, as we start to think about who we are and, and, and really what is the separation, what is the point where, where we've gotten into this place where we're at? It's this, that there's a separation that's happened long before, back in the garden, where there's a separation between God and man. What was at the root? It was sin. And God is saying, here's the invitation. Here's where to start. That to us part, you got to know where you started. It started in rebellion. It started from running. It started in ignoring God. It started in this place where it says, God, I got it from here. Like we've said before, that what is sin? Very simply, it's this, that it's all about the middle letter I. It's me, 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 me. You say, I've never sinned before, but here's the thing. Have you all made it all about yourself before? Have you, have you said, God, I don't need you in my life? See, there's this passage in Luke 2 where it talks about how there was no room in the inn for, for Jesus, for his family, you know, for Mary and Joseph, as they're coming into town, this little town of Bethlehem, there's no room in the inn. And you think about that, like, what, what, what is, what, like, why did Luke put that little detail in there? It's because it helps us to understand the state of every human heart. That as Jesus came into the world, every human heart said, I don't have room for you. And so he goes to the the manger. He goes to the place that's least expected. And so God is coming. He's saying, let me reason with you for a minute. Let me tell you what it's going to cost me to come. It says a child is born. And so God chooses to reason with us by becoming one of us. See, this is the most understanding, compassionate way possible. Experts say to, to make peace with those you're at odds with, right? There's people that you would say, these are my enemies. To, to try and make peace with those type of people, one of the best ways is to first take their perspective. Imagine putting yourself in their shoes. That's what people would say. Like, you want to make peace with your enemy? Try to put yourself in their shoes. The Bible says that we were at odds, we were enemies of God. But God went beyond just, you know, imagining putting himself in our shoes, but he literally put himself in our shoes. He took on flesh and blood. God became one of us. 
Let me ask, have you ever thought, no one cares? No one really gets me. No one understands me. And that there's no way that God could ever understand me. I remember I was watching this movie. Um, it's called Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. And um, I'm a Bruce Lee fan. I like Bruce Lee. And um, there's this part in the movie that stuck with me. I remember watching it as a kid, and it stuck with me to this day. But I remember in this movie, he's dating this girl, and they're coming from two completely different cultures, two completely different worlds. Right? He's coming from very poor. She's coming from wealthier. He's coming from Asian culture. She's coming from uh, Caucasian, and she, just like different worlds, right? Different worlds. And she takes him to this movie, and they walk into the movie, and she's like, you're going to really love this part. And she's like, watch the movie. And he's watching it, and she's like, you don't like this scene. And it was basically somebody that was mocking his culture. And everybody in the theater is laughing. And she's kind of laughing, and then she looks over at him, and she sees that he's not laughing. But it, like, hurt him deeply. And she grabbed his arm. She says, hey, let's go. Let's leave. And they walk out. And what that was to me is like I was look, watching this. is like she put herself in his shoes. She saw the pain in his eyes. And can you think for a moment that the God of the universe put himself in your shoes and said, I get it. I feel your pain. I feel your exclusion. I feel the reason that you're, you're hurting right now. William Barclay said this. He says, Jesus is coming as the final and unanswerable proof that God cares. The final and unanswerable truth that God cares. When he looks at you, he says, I care. I know. And so there's something in the compassion of God towards us. The second is this. It's a wondrous way. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. How does God meet us next? Let's look at the first part of the verse. To us, a son is given. Now, this word for given, is a, it's a verb, right? So what it is, it's this. It's God's initiation, God's action. God saw us, but he did something to help us. See, this is what the message of Christianity is all about. God gives, and he says the solution that you need is the son, and so he says, you want to know who I am? I will give you the solution. I will give you myself. It's purely out of grace. It's purely out of the kindness of God. See, grace is something that is undeserved, unearned. We didn't work for it. Just like God came to us, we also need to receive it. It's receiving it. It's opening your heart to it and saying, I, I need this. 
I love this quote from, from Timothy Keller. He says, Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. That means you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a moral and good life. It is only what Jesus has done for you that can give you standing before God. There's no one then, not even the greatest human being, who does not need the grace of Jesus Christ. There's no one, not even the worst human being, who can fall or fail to receive the grace of Jesus Christ if there is repentance and faith. See, that's where it is. That's the message of Christmas. Next, it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, remember the context of Isaiah. There's, there's political turmoil. There's, there's people trying to figure out what's next for their country and everything that's going on in their world. Like, we've got all the answers. And he says, you want to know where the answer is? He says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. What does this mean? As we see all the darkness in the world, as we see all the problems in our life, what do we feel like? We feel like, you know what, I feel like I've got the weight on my shoulders. And even for some of us, we say, I carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. But Jesus literally says, let me have that. That's not yours. He takes the weight of the world on his shoulders. Again, Alec Matir says, his people's shoulders are delivered because he takes the burden of rule. What's, what's the reason why we feel like the weight of the world is on our shoulders? It's because we feel like we're in control. <laughs> like we've got some type of control over all of this. Like I can, I can rule my life. If, even if I can rule this small little corner of my life, I'm gonna do it. But the invitation is that there is one who can carry it for you. There's one who loves you and wants to take that burden from you. See, why did he do it? Well, we find out later in the New Testament, John makes it very clear to us in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. That's the part we didn't see here in Isaiah, but now we know this is the heart behind it. That's why he did it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. See, the full display of it is in the life and the person of Jesus Christ. It's a wondrous message. It's a wondrous message. And I use that word intentionally. It's wondrous. I don't use that all, every day, right? Oh, it's wondrous. Like, no. But I'm like, that's the point. It's something that we don't use every day. We don't see it every day. But it is wondrous. This won't be on the screen. But Ter uh, Corey Ten Boom, who was held as a prisoner uh, in Nazi Germany by, by German soldiers, a believer in Christ. She says this. She says, who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that he gave his only son. The only requirement is to believe in him. 
The reward of faith is that you shall have everlasting life. This is somebody who is in a concentration camp. Lastly, accessible way. Verse 6, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What does this mean? Well, it means that knowing God is in this way. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace is accessible through knowing his name. It's accessible through knowing his name. See, God's name was very important to the Jewish people. There was such a reverence around God's name that it was unpronounceable. Um, it was just basically capital Y-H-W-H, say Yahweh. But it was unpronounceable. Why? Why was it so important? You see, when you have someone's name, you have access to them in a new way. You have access to them in a new way. And here's what it says. And it says, his name shall be called. Wonderful counselor. Literal translation, a wonder of a counselor. That the word points to a supernatural wisdom from God. Wisdom far above human wisdom that transcends even Solomon's human wisdom. Right? Solomon was supposed to be the, the wisest person to walk the earth, but Jesus Christ is greater. Mighty God, in this child, God himself would be the hero. Everlasting Father. See, the people of that time, they wanted a ruler. They wanted a political ruler. God came to be a father, which speaks to his care and concern as a loving parent. Prince of Peace. The true wholeness, completeness, harmony, are found not in the nostalgic feelings or not even in the people that we can surround ourselves with, but that there's a deeper peace that God can give under his loving rule in our lives, that his peace and his love flows out of us. See, how do you access, have access to the wisdom, power, intimacy, and peace of God? It's in the name. It's Jesus 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, for now, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You want to find the yes to the promises of God? Look at, the, look at who Jesus is. Look at what he's done. Um, I shared this last night um, as I was sharing with uh, some of the people from Bridges. Um, but one of the things I've been thinking about recently, I, I was listening to a podcast from uh, the school I went to. It was a Christian school. And uh, one of the people that I went to school with, I was like, I saw his name on there, so I started to listen to it. It was like, probably toward midway, they asked him like, okay, well, when did you, when did you become a Christian? And he said, you know, I grew up in the church. But he said, um, I don't think I really became a Christian until my first year at Bible college. I'm like, that's weird. Like, how did, how did you become a Christian your first year at a Christian school? 
He said, I don't know. I just say, I knew about God. I knew a lot about him. I knew. See, see here's the thing. Like some of us today, we were like, I've, I've heard this story before. I've heard this scripture before. He said, I knew it, but I didn't know that I could know God, that I could have a relationship with God. He says, here's the thing. I hear all these people telling me, like, there's all these people walking away from their faith. They say, I don't believe in God. He said, but here's the thing that gets me. He says, how do you believe in, how do you say you don't believe in somebody that you've met? Because that's the God of the Bible. It's the God that you, you meet him. You have a relationship with him. And if, if I meet you or you meet me and you say, well, I just don't believe that they exist anymore, then you didn't really meet me then. And the same thing is true with God. And so the invitation of Christmas is, hey, come closer to the manger. Come look inside. Come see what's happened here. Your shepherd, come on in. Your wise man, come on in. All the people here, come on in. Come see. Come look. He's here. He came. You're lonely? Come closer to the manger. You feel like God doesn't care? Look inside. And when you look inside, you're going to see that he loves you. That he loves you so much he came. And that, yeah, we didn't have any room in the inn for him. But you know where we did have room for him? The cross. That's where the world had room for Jesus. And he was the loneliest man to walk in our pain. And when he went up on that cross, he was lonelier than any person that's ever walked this earth. Why'd he do it? He said, I love you. Right? And that's the thing that gets me. Is that when I look at that cross, I know that he's real. That God loves me. That's Christmas. I hope that that's what you know. You know that gift because that's the greatest gift this world's ever seen. So let's, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. That you came. That you're accessible. That's the wondrous gift of Christmas. I just pray that today becomes more real in our hearts. And we don't walk away and say, well, I just, I, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know God's, re-. like, help us to meet you. The living God. That's what we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. 
If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.